0: Peace to you. Thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. We're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament, as we call it, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 15. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. So we're walking through the different kings who succeeded to the throne in the two kingdoms like we've discussed again and again, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And sometimes they overlap. And these are the people. Verse 2. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. So as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these names or words. Um, but the people we're talking about, since we see it's Jerusalem, are the kingdom of Judah, or in the kingdom of Judah, um, where Jerusalem is the capital city verse 3, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So the narrator here of the book of Second Kings or, or whoever scribed it along the way is giving us their editorializing on what they feel about the king's reign um, and that they're saying he was righteous, um, saying that his father before him was righteous, Amaziah that is, And that the his son, who's reigning in his place now, um, uh, I guess Jeroboam is king of Israel, but in Judah, which is a separate kingdom at this point, is Azariah. That's who we're talking about now. They're saying the narrator that is that he had a righteous reign, Um, verse four. Now again, not red letters. So it's not like Jesus is saying this. So it's in the Bible, but it's not Christianity. Just as one of the millions, it seems, of examples. Verse four, except that the high places were not removed; the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So the narrator, or whoever thinks that Azariah had, was a righteous king in his reign, uh, except for the fact that he allowed uh, other religions to exist. That's what it is. What idolatry boils down to: it's not everyone believing in the same entity as being god and and that's considered wicked according to it's considered to be the one flaw that that king had which is a common flaw if you're going to call it that that many of them had they tolerated other religions in the land verse 5 then the lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death so he dwelt in an isolated house and jotham the king's son was over the royal house judging the people of the land. So we read about that, where uh, that king had a haughty moment and reached out his hand to sort of jump bad at one of the the prophets or holy men. And as soon as he did it, he was stricken with the disease, the leprosy disease, which takes many different forms uh, in the Bible and outside of the Bible. Generally, it's a skin disease, but sometimes it can also include Uh, diseases of the skin and body that include like uh, sores and uh, leaking sores and things like that. So uh, whatever the case may be, it's obvious. It was an obvious physical affliction when it happened. And it was considered sort of a curse, even though the word may not be used as a curse specifically. uh, That's what it was taken as, a bad omen if you prefer, um, that he did it. It was like an instant karma type thing where he became leprous and then as a leper, you have to socially distance uh, legally. Um, the religious folks will see to it. They'll notice you're leprous and they, you have to live outside of the town away from everybody else to control the spread of the disease, among other things. But to be religiously be uh, not in a state of sin, you have to do it. You have to separate yourself according to the religion, not according again to Jesus, But it is in the Bible, and it is the religion that people practiced uh, back then. And in that sense, the socially distancing, as we see in modern times, is not a bad thing. It can help to control the spread of disease. Um, Verse 6, now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So um, the narrator here is letting us know if you want to read more about Azariah and his reign as a king. They're written in the book of what we have in the Bible called the book of the Chronicles, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, which we've already read. Uh, that's why some of these events may sound familiar. Verse 7, so Azariah rested with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So after Azariah is gone, his son Jotham is the new king. Verse 8, In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel in Samaria Samaria, six months. So as those things were happening with Azariah in the kingdom of Judah, these things are now happening with the kingdom of Israel, which, as we read before, consists of the majority of the so-called tribes, uh, 10 uh, that are aligned with the kingdom of Israel, and two, that are uh, included in the kingdom of Judah with uh, other religions uh, abounding in both throughout all the land. Verse 8. So um, that was what's happening. This is what's happening now in Israel. We just read about what's happening in Judah. Jeroboam is now the king. And like we've read before and said before, there was a Jeroboam also previously that we read about. So the names will overlap and appear again and again. Uh, um, in both kingdoms. Verse 9, he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Excuse me. So here, the narrator or scribe scribe is um, letting us know That while those things were happening with a righteous king uh, in the kingdom of Judah, even though he still had the idolatry going on in the kingdom of Israel, wicked things were going on and the leader is considered evil or bad. So most likely, and just a random guess, I'm guessing the scribe or narrator who's passing this message along was probably in the kingdom of Judah working for that government. That's how come. Um, just as a guess, that's how come the Jews, right? The kings of Judah have been considered righteous, while the kingdom of Israel and its kings here are now being called wicked and making the people sin. Um, because the only sin and difference between the two kingdoms throughout, as we read, is that they have idolatry. They both, kingdoms, tolerate or are tolerant of, yeah or even include or practice themselves uh, other religions they're not faithful to one entity either one of them but it seems to me at least at this point um there's a bias um maybe it's what we call patriotism the people in the kingdom of judah are the ones writing this so they want to write it or at least editing it writing and editing it it to make it appear like the kingdoms of judah were righteous while the kingdoms of this kingdom of israel uh, were wicked, though, again, they're both doing the same things in some instances. Verse 10, then Shalom, the son of Jabesh conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people, and he reigned in his place. So that was one of those coups that we read about previously, where uh, their kingdom had an overthrow. Um, and, you know, it happens. It's like we see it in modern times, it happens. Uh, it's attempted in modern times. It happens, actually, in many countries also in modern times. It just wasn't successful, January 6th, that is. Um, but uh, American, the American government has been behind some of those uh, different coups that have happened in other countries, neighboring countries even, um, for various, uh, generally, I would think of as corrupt um, uh, motivations. Not like they're trying to spread the Christian message. uh, Just in my opinion. Verse 11. Now the rest of the Acts of Zechariah. Indeed they're written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So um, letting us know. Zechariah was wicked. And you can find out more about him if you want to read the book of Chronicles. Which we've already read through. Verse 2. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Jehu saying your son shall sit on the throne of israel to the fourth generation and so it was so now the scribe or narrator whoever it is has passed along the book of second chronicles for us is letting us know these uh turn of events with the kingdom uh kingdoms are the fulfillment of prophecy that was spoken um in a passage we read previously in the book of second kings chapter 10 verse 30. If you want to go back and read it, they believe that the um, fact that that uh, sort of, it, if you want to think of it as a curse, it, it's being fulfilled, or prophecy, more probably most accurately, um, is being fulfilled where that person back in Second um, Kings was given that prophecy that I'll give you the kingdom um, for four generations, basically four of his sons, you know, descendants would have uh the ability to reign over the kingdom, but only for four generations. Um, And I think if I remember right, when it was given to him, it was because it was basically intended for the kingdom to be torn away from the um, lineage of kings that were in power before the coup that was successfully pulled off. Verse 13, Jalem the son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. So um, now we have another king in Israel named Shalom, and um, it doesn't look like he ruled for very long. He was only in power for a month. And in the meantime, uh, the king of Judah is mentioned, Uzziah, um, while this king has arisen. And it says uh, that in the book of... um, I'm seeing as a note, because I'm using the org website like I've mentioned before. Um, if you want to, if you select the name Uzziah, you'll see there's a footnote there to let you know in a different, that different chapter, chapters 14 and 15, the same person, Uzziah, is called Azariah in those chapters, but they're referring to the same person. Why it's like that, I don't know. My guess would be that over time when these, uh, scriptures were penned or scribed that maybe there were mistranslations or even different pronunciations of the same person and even be talking about the same person the same way some people know me as Misha, some people know me as King, depending on who you know me as, and some people know me as other names that I've advertised under. So um, the same person, just different names, Um, it's nothing new. And we've read about it like uh, where some of the cities Uh, Jerusalem is also known as Jeshurun and accepted as both. Um, So it seems to me that could be an explanation also. Verse 14, for Menahem, the son of Gad, went up from Terza, came to Samaria and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh in Samaria and killed him. And he reigned in his place. So um, the fulfillment of when that happened, when that coup attempt happened. I guess if you want to call it a or basically we just call it an overthrow and when uh, we read about it previously. Verse 15, now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed, they're written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So again, uh, this the narrator letting us know if you want to read more detail about it, look to the book of 1st and 2nd Chronicles, books of 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Actually, I guess it would be appropriate to say look to the book of the Chronicles, because that would include both. Um, verse sixteen, then from Terza, Menahem attacked Tipsa, all who were there and its territory, because they did not surrender, therefore he attacked it. And all the women there, there and all the women there who were with child, he ripped open. So um, oh, I think we read about that also. It's going over those events of in during the war, uh, in conquering or colonizing or taking territory. Some of the atrocities that would happen would be not uh, abortion um, by choice, but um, violently apparently ripping the women open. Say like if you slice the pregnant belly open with a sword and letting the baby just fall out fetus if you prefer fall out um performing it that way that that's what was going on um and i do think if i recall we did read about that and as horrible as that sounds that lets us know something about the topic of abortion we um see it's, it's in some cases it's not voluntary even in modern times, sometimes it's not voluntary, but for the majority of the time, it's entirely voluntary, and is it any more wicked to uh, do that, to to have that kind of control over a uh, body part of yours? Because that, that's what it is, until it separates from a female, it's still their body. Is it any more wicked than watching children get abused And once they're actually walking around and living, or being mistreated and starved or beaten or trafficked, that seems to me to be absolutely much more wicked and unacceptable than um, what's happening with someone's body. But that's just my opinion, especially since we've already read that there is actually an abortion procedure. Um, thats It's not called abortion because it's in the Bible, but it describes the same thing, uh, where the priest is the one to bring about the abortion um, by... A, in specific circumstances, but it's still acceptable. And the circumstances being if a man thinks that his woman has been unfaithful to him and that that's why the baby is uh, there, why she's pregnant, then an abortion is acceptable in that instance, as crazy as that sounds. And it only sounds crazy because it's the opposite of what Bible thumpers will tell you. Um, But people will lie about the Bible all day long, even though we've read again and again about each of these topics. Verse 17, in the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gad, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. So we just read about somebody named Menahem and the massacre, but we're not talking um, again. We've talked again and again about that. You're going to see some of the same names appear again in the end but it's talking about a different person and that's why they say the son of uh, generally uh, when they do it so that we can keep them um, straight As you, if you want to try and again, uh, flow chart them and see how the kings and the kings names in both kingdoms uh, corresponded over time um, so the next one he only he reigned for 10 years that's a lot longer than the one who only reigned for a month um Verse 8, and why wow, did I read over that? The one who um, reigned for a month. Maybe those events, that's why. Let's see, maybe that's who the conspiracy was about. Let's see. So, yeah, in this case, it is the Menahem, the same son of Gad, is we talking about, but, or who we're reading about. But it's um, basically chronicling what happened, why Shalom only lived, um, reigned. For a month. He was only king for a month because he was overthrown by the same Menahem, who basically is the one who brought about those abortions. Uh, abortions that were not by choice, it, just by force, in his taking over the kingdom and seizing power. Um, so let's see. Verse. And after that's how come Shalom only uh, was king for a month, but Menahem who took his place was king for 10 years. Verse 18, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all the days, all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. So again, the sin is idolatry, uh, other religions, worshiping other gods, and generally speaking, there a lot of them are summed up. Uh, one of the most popular um, Ways the people worship were the people entities the people worship were those cows, the golden cows. Uh, they were the symbol of strength and righteousness uh, for the people for whatever reason. That's who the people were convinced is who led them out of enslavement in Africa golden cows. And the cows weren't gold, obviously, but clearly they believed the appearance of the god, entity, deity that led them out of enslavement. Looked like a cow. Otherwise, why would they make a statue of a cow and make it in the most precious metal they could find? Gold. Um, unless that's how they believe the God looked to them or appeared to them. Whatever the reason, that's what the people are worshiping. Lots of the people, not all of the people. Um, verse 19, Paul king of Assyria came against the land, and Menahem gave Paul a thousand talents of silver, that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. So he's uh, aligning himself with uh, the Assyrian king, Pol, Um And here it's called Pul, but uh, there's a note that his name in another part um, of the same chapter will be um, Tiglath-Pileser II, um, an Assyrian king um, in history. I guess, but it also appears again in the Bible also. And I guess we're going to get to it at verse 29 according to the notes on the um, website. So um, that's what he's done. He's aligned himself with an Assyrian king to sort of strengthen his own kingdom, versus the kingdom he seized from uh, the other king uh, who was only king for a month. Verse 20, And Menahem exacted the money from israel from all the very wealthy from each man 50 shekels of silver to give to the king of assyria so the king of assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land so he's not as much aligning himself with the king of assyria as much as paying tribute to him and breaking him off some money so that he'll leave him alone um and he's doing it wisely instead of exacting it or taking it from or taxing the poor He's taking from the people who already have more than they need. And that just makes sense. Why in the world would you expect the widow's two mites to be uh, exacted from her when there's the wealthy giving what they feel like giving instead of what they can give, what they should give? It just makes sense. That's what he's done. Instead of taking it from the poor and needy, he's taking it from the wealthy and they probably didn't even miss it. Verse, And that's obvious in modern times when you see Uh, people who run as politicians to control the political powers and have the ability to spend a billion dollars on it lose and not even miss it that says that person is not being taxed enough those people are not being taxed enough if they can afford to just blow a billion dollars and not even miss it while other people are sleeping at the airports it just doesn't make sense and that is what's happening not just in Orlando but I've seen it in Indianapolis. I've seen it in St. Louis. People are unhoused sleeping at the airports, probably their best option because at least it's air conditioned and it has security 24/7. So at least they have that safety. But that's just sad and ridiculous that that's what America is in modern times. People can blow a billion dollars and not even miss it when that same billion dollars. Uh, Obviously, they wouldn't mind being taxed up to that point because they wouldn't even miss it. That should go to some place where it's needed. But people are caught up with nonsense, and it is the way it is. As the proverb says, because of corruption, there's uh, what's swept away. Verse 21, Now the rest of the acts of Menahem and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So if you want to read more about Manahem, look to the books of the Chronicles, verse 22. So Menahem rested with his fathers, and Pekahiah, his son, in his place. So after Menahem is gone, his son is in his place, in power now. So now we go on to who's, who's next with Pekahiah, and he's in the kingdom of Israel. This We're still talking about the ten kingdoms, the ten tribes generally speaking, and who's ruling over them. Verse 23, in the fifteenth year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekahiah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned two years. So now he's in power. uh, Menahem, the uh, sort of bloodthirsty one, is gone. His son is in his uh, throne now, and he's only got power for two years. See what happens with him. Verse 24, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made his real sin. So again, the same thing. He's um, faithful to many different religions. That's what's being tolerated under his kingdom. And the narrator is making it clear that's what makes him bad. Verse 25, Then Pekah, Pica, Pica, the son of Amalia, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria, in the citadel of the king's house, along with Argab and Arie, and with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. So uh, just like he, his uh, ancestors, forefathers, oh, uh, pulled off a successful coup and took, seized power that way, now it's happening to his descendants. Power has been seized from him by a coup. Verse twenty six. Now the rest of the acts of Pekahiah and all that he did, indeed they're written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. So again, the narrator's moving right along, letting us know. If you want to read more about it, check out the books of the chronicles. Uh, excuse me. Verse twenty seven. In the 52nd year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. So now the next king in Israel is um, in power for a long time two decades, 20 years. One more reason there should be term limits whether somebody's good at what they do or not, if they're in political power. You have to keep it moving to make progress. Otherwise, things get stale, stagnant, and most often, most clearly, just corrupt. It doesn't make sense. Verse 28, unless that's how it's intended to be, corrupt. Verse 28, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam and the Son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. So again, they're faithfully in tolerating and practicing idolatry, a.k.a multiple religions in the land verse 29 in the days of Pekah king of Israel Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria came and took Ejon Abel beth Janoa, Janua, Kadesh Hazor Gilead, and Galilee all the land of Naphtali and he carried them captive to Assyria so now the people are being carried away captive into captivity as there, as it's said by the Assyrians, you see the kingdoms of Israel, the cities are falling to that same Tiglath-Pileser. So he definitely was not paying him off to form an alliance with them, aligning himself with the Assyrian king like we read earlier. Instead, he was definitely just being uh, paying tribute to him, being shaken down, and the kingdoms being taken down. Um, and according to the narrator, it's because they were idolatrous worshiping multiple gods that because they had freedom of religion in the land that's what killed that's what's taking them down so that all those cities were taken away from the kingdom of israel by the assyrian powers um but again that's just the narrator saying it because we know historically the assyrian uh conquest of the land didn't stop there Um, Verse 30, then Hoshea the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Hermaliah, and struck and killed him. So he reigned in his place in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. So that we can, like I said before, if you want to keep a flow chart of how the different kings arose and fell, you can see, according to that verse, where they corresponded with the king in Israel and the king in Judah. Um, so another conspiracy has happened. And now um, there's another king. Uh, uh, Pekah has been taken down and someone else is reigning his place. Hoshea, the son of Elah. Uh, verse 31. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So again, if you want to read more about him, check out the books of the Chronicles we just finished reading before we got to the books of the kings. Verse 32 In the second year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. So, just like I've been saying, if you want to look on the flow chart, you can see who's king now. While we're talking now about Judah, while we were just speaking about what was happening in Israel and who became king after king after king. Verse 33. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jeshua, Jerushah, the daughter of Zadok. So now, rarely you see it, but here's an instance where a mother is mentioned um, instead of just the father being the son of whatever man. Now we're seeing, for some reason, whose mama he, he had or who was his mama. Um, verse 34, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. So now that we're talking about the kings of Judah again, now those kings are being accounted as being righteous and even mentioning the, fact the his mama by name, um, which I guess in a sense sort of puts a dent in the patriarchy where uh, the woman gets mentioned occasionally, but it's only happening uh, here and there. Whatever the case may be, the narrator is saying the king of Judah is a righteous one, and he's righteous just like his daddy was. Verse 35, however, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built a upper gate of the house of the Lord. So again, even though the narrator is saying that he was righteous, he's engaging in or allowing in, tolerating in his kingdom, the same things that the kingdoms of Israel were doing. But just according to the narrator, he's righteous. So, And then mentioning the, one of the things that he did uh construction-wise for the community was building the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Um, I'm not sure what that gate would be for, but I'm sure it had some significance, maybe just as protection or border. I don't know. Verse 36, now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So, um, once again, if you want to read more about it, check out the books of the Chronicles. Verse 37, in those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Amalia, against Judah. So now the narrator is letting us know, as time went on, the people, the kingdoms, were being attacked. Not just the kingdoms of the the tribes in the kingdom of Israel, um, northernmost tribes, generally speaking, being carried away captive by the Assyrians. Also, in the meantime, the Syrians, also from the north, are attacking and picking off parts of the kingdom of Judah. So will the narrator say it's because they were um, making the people sin like um, Jeroboam did? No won't mention that, even though it is generally the same so-called sin. Practicing other religions, not being faithful to one singular entity or God. That's what both kingdoms are doing. That's what's happening um, throughout as we read it. Verse 38. So Joshua rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. So now one more king gone. And now another king in Judah uh, that kingdom has arisen. And his name is Ahaz, who's in power in his place. Um, that's the last verse in the chapter. That's what we'll end in this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. And um, I have to say a thank you also to uh, The Young Turks. There's a network that's where I use, where I, where I check out the different Um, content providers for that network um, for much of the news um, and information that I look for because it, generally speaking, actually is um, uh, fairly um, straightforward and mentions both sides. And um, so it seems less biased than most. But I mentioned all that to say because that's where I saw, if you're interested um, in seeing more about abortion in the bible that's actually where i saw and the people uh, saw found out about the verses in the bible that talk about abortion and the people on that network are generally speaking either atheist or agnostic or muslim Uh, i'm sure and they're also christians my favorite um um content providers on the tyt network uh, just personally speaking my own opinion um do identify i think as christian but um, the, for the most part, uh, none of them are. But if that just goes to show you, I think that you can get information um, from anywhere. God can use anyone. Um, and we it's not for us to make the judgments on what anyone has in their heart. We can obviously see, judge by their actions, whether you want to be bothered with them or not, have them in your life or not. But um, as far as judging their righteousness, um, or the, the the value of what they bring to the table in God's big picture is only up to God. And Jesus, as we Christians uh, uh, would say, is judge not that you be not judged. So anyway, uh, thank you to them. Stay safe. And Jake Huger uh, in particular is the one who mentioned the whole abortion passage in the Bible. And it's significant, I think, because it lets us know again God can use anyone and Bible thumpers often lie to you. So stay safe. Love you. See you next time. Peace be with you.